Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Wet Paint NYC podcast. I'm Paul Cepeda and I'm here with artist and art advisor Jess Bruzaniti. Hi Paul, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for um, making the long trek from your part of Brooklyn to mine. It's a pleasure. Uh, where in where in the city do, are you living these days? Uh, I'm in Bed-Stuy, actually, not too far from here. Okay, so we share a neighborhood, but as I've said before, um, Brooklyn is actually huge, and uh, you can live in the same neighborhood and not necessarily be super close to yeah, other folks I mean, or to other things. It's a six-minute drive or a... 25 minute walk which doesn't make sense to me but <laughs> and and that is new york in a nutshell for some reason um well but speaking of new york how long have you been living in new york uh I, this is my fifth year oh, fifth year so um people might not be able to tell right away but you have a bit of an accent where are you from originally uh, i'm from australia but i have dual citizenship in the u.s too so it made it uh, an easier move to uh, come here. Fantastic, fantastic. And and did you come directly to New York, or how did that whole thing? Where where did, where did you move in between? Because believe me, I've I've lived all over, migrating my way here to New York. So I'd love to hear your story. <laughs> um. So the most direct way into the U.S. from Australia is via California. So I was there first. That's why everybody here always asks me, why do you have a 310 number? Oh, I see. <laughs> okay. You still, you still have the area. Code. Yeah, I feel sentimental about it now. <laughs> why not? Why um, not? Yeah, so I started there and I have some family on that side of the country. Um, and I was there for maybe a month and then decided to travel uh, with my Tia, who's in LA, to Colombia to see family that I hadn't met before. Um, and that was not my first trip to South America, but my first time in Colombia. And then uh, I went back to LA for a little while after that, and then migrated across to Chicago slash Indiana, where my auntie lives. So I kind of would spend time between the two. So, you know, maybe a week in the city, and then I would go back to Indiana for a bit. And I was also considering living there, so I was interviewing uh, in Chicago as well. Um, and then uh, at that point, I started getting interviews in New York. And so I'd flown over for one, um, but had left all my stuff still in Chicago because I hadn't figured out what I was going to do. But then once I got to New York, I was like, I don't want to live in Chicago. Classic story. <laughs> Classic. I hear you. Know, I know the first time I came to New York, which was just shortly before I moved here, I was like, why am I living anywhere else? Yeah. And so it was like, I don't know, a month or two later, mm -hmm. I was here and haven't left, you know, and you know, about a decade later or yeah <laughs> but um yeah i think it was still like a pretty difficult transition like i didn't have a job straight away and then my first job was you know an unpaid 40 hour a week internship so. of course i think we were talking about this before new york is uh sort of like the land of free work and internships in some Definitely. way you know, the, the promise of a better future if you just work mm -hmm. your butt off today for, mm -hmm. for no pay yeah, it, it's kind of, it's a difficult sell, I guess, too, especially coming from home where maybe life's a little bit more comfortable. So. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Yeah, you got to work for it here for sure. Here. Yeah. Especially if, you know, you don't necessarily know that many people in the area. That yeah, and it was hard for me because I felt like, you know, my experience, none of it was based in the US, so I felt like it was something that I had to just take on the chin because 
I just needed it for my resume, really. Yeah, did you did you feel that um, people didn't give it like the same respect, or was that maybe you know your experience in other places, or was that maybe just in your head, or you didn't know? Um, I mean, I feel like a fresh grad from art student doesn't get respect anywhere. So, well put, well put. That's that's most likely true in pretty much every case. Yeah. So, so I mean, that so I mean, you were just trying to do your thing. Yeah, I mean, part of the reason I even just decided to come was I, I'd graduated from art school and I'd been applying to jobs, you know, in Melbourne, where I'm from, and just not really getting anywhere. It's the classic, you know, entry-level jobs that need five years' experience kind of thing, except, you know, in Australia. So it happens in Melbourne too. Okay. Yeah, except at least, you know, in New York, it's a, you have a much, much bigger pool you know Mm -hmm. it's like there I'd be waiting a long time for even an entry-level job to come up that I could apply to whereas you know here I could probably send off 20 applications in a day Mm -hmm. so it just you know and I I applied from home actually before I moved here just to like see if there was any difference Yeah. yeah and I just found like there was more responses happening here that I was getting at home so I thought I'll just give it a go great so that's perfect so so the way that you did that was you just like I said tested the waters and was it like art jobs that you were looking for like what what was it the like art consulting what was what was it that you were Um, looking for I don't I don't think that art advising jobs aren't really that highly advertised I think it's more the job that you find yourself in um and you know a lot of consultants either just work for themselves or it's like small firms you know there's not like large organizations Mm -hmm. that just do art advising um so you know coming out of art school too like you know i learned a lot of great um technical abilities but i think um you know how do i apply this in the real world where i don't have to take a nine to five that i hate and i can still kind of be involved in the art um so I didn't really know what I was looking for at the time, but, you know, I think maybe everyone's first thoughts, maybe like, oh, I'll just be a curator. <laughs> like, that seems practical. But I know a couple of those, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, I was really at that point just thought, oh, well, gallery makes sense, um, you know, but I think it's a learning process too, um, you know, so I worked in galleries, I worked in museums, I worked in artist studios uh, as, like, an assistant just to really see what it was I wanted to do uh, long term um, and actually you know it, it was good because you know, I'm less interested now in probably working in galleries in certain roles um, and just even knowing what those roles are I think wasn't something that was very clear to me until I'd gone through all those experiences um, yeah yeah I think that, that that's a great point sometimes it's like you sort of have to jump into the fire to yeah. learn what it feels like to get burned you know in that particular way um, but you have that experience so you know and you you and it's good to know what you like but sometimes more importantly what you don't like just so yeah. that you can steer clear of that in the future and look for other things what what, what is it that you studied in art schools as far as like your sort of like um, you know your own creative type of thing what what is it that interests you Um, so my major was sculpture, um, and I guess I did a lot of, um, like contemporary art theory subjects as well. Um, that was more my interest. I did a few, um, you know, the standard like art history stuff, but, um, I think 
uh, during school. I mean, and actually up until now, my interests have kind of remained the same, at least with art making is um, a lot about exploring just light and color as a medium in itself and ways you can use that to create, um, you know, an experience for the viewer. Very cool. So you're, so you're talking about, are we talking about like paint here? Or are you talking about like actual light and um, like diffusion of light to create color and that kind of thing? And, yeah. and, and that's what the, um, the viewer is experiencing. Yeah. So literal light. <laughs> um, and so, so like light sculptures? Yeah. Kind of yeah. So in school I was making a lot of light boxes with, you know, plex, different colored plexi and, and different what is a light lights. Box for people who don't necessarily know what that is. Um, I mean, I, I guess it depends who's made it, but I'm, I mean, a traditional light box is just a box with a piece of clear glass or plexi on it that, you know, most artists would use it to, if you need to trace or mm-hmm. create something like that. But, um, I was kind of making my own and I'd found, um, uh, plexiglass manufacturer back home because plexiglass is expensive too so i'd found like a factory that just let me go in and take yeah, all right of their the off cuts oh, so like I, every time i needed materials yes. maybe like once every few months i would just pop in there and get these huge chunks of Hi, it's plastic yeah <laughs> like good we, we 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 had to haul that away anyway so sure right so, yeah, that's great. and that's yeah fun. so really just any kind of material or surface that's reflective or you know has some sort of um element to it that can be activated by the light is interesting to me so i just you know would collect a lot of different things i used a lot of um projectors that you know in school i had the opportunity to do like a large installation or things like that because we had the studio space to do it and the equipment was there so you know at that and time one great thing about schools you have like the studio yeah and, like and even you know disposal. even after school uh like i i'd done a i got invited to do like a, a kind of emerging art exhibition uh, i guess this gallery called blindside uh, back home in melbourne pretty much each year will scout uh, a bunch of students from mm-hmm. graduating classes and put on a show in the summer so I was in, yeah. So I was in a show for that, which was which was fun too. But you know, even at home, just it's not like New York. Obviously, you have a lot more space, and you know, maybe a bit more disposable income and things like that uh, to put towards making art. So yeah. sculpture was like very feasible during yeah. that time. And I think after I moved, uh, it it became a bit difficult for me. And I think also just the mental. Uh, challenge of moving um, countries, uh, you know, and pretty much like countries and then from like state to state. Yeah, and yeah. Between cities and this kind of. Thing. I was That's very. I felt very easy. like <laughs> nomadic for a while. Yeah. Like I was just drifting. I didn't really know what I was doing, and uh-huh. I didn't. I, I felt disconnected. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so there was actually like a period where I really didn't make anything, um, and I was still thinking about a lot of things and like. I guess making creating like you know my own visual diary I guess mm-hmm. um but I wasn't really outputting anything and then once I eventually started to try and make art again it it at the time because sculpture was all I'd done it just felt like the right move but it becomes so small and different to ha- what I was used to doing and 
I explored it for a little while um, and then it kind of shifted now into photography. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. You, just, you shifted to photography. I want to talk about that, but I do love the fact that you, um, you know, brought up this, you know, this thing that happens, I think, to to a lot of artists where it's like you, you go through a period because of whatever is going on in your life or maybe just because you're still exploring other ideas where you maybe you don't output a whole lot of actual, you know, painting sculptures or whatever it is. But as artists, like it's not like our brains stop working on these things. We, we have this thing we're building up, like you said, almost like a like a visual diary or yeah. or, you know, that kind of thing. And that, that we can then draw on or, you know, and a lot of things, you know, we work on them in our minds before we even put them out. So we might go through a whole thing. And you're like, mm, I don't love that. Uh, so maybe I'll do it this way when I finally get to do it. Right. And I think that that's um, that I, I love that that's that that's something that you brought up because I, I think not a lot of people talk about that. But it's an important part of the artistic process for a lot of folks, I think. And I think there's also even at points like some guilt when oh, for sure. when you're not for sure. physically making something if you're inclined that way. Um, so it's sometimes hard to get out of your head about it because then you start in this kind of unhealthy pattern you know of just like self-deprecation yeah, you're right you are so that is so true yeah so what's this photography that you've sort of been uh, moving into um well actually i guess the funny thing is that i'm still using like all of the same kinds of materials like plastics and uh you know diffraction films and plexi and things but um i just use that i guess now to manipulate the light and color of an image that I'm creating. Um, so I guess most of the work, when it comes out, it probably looks photoshopped, but none of it is. <laughs> so. well, well, even better because people actually <laughs> these days seem to love the look of Photoshop, but if you can tell them that it's actually originally sort of hand done or that kind of thing, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah, so it, it's it's just it's still an extension of the same idea. It's just morphed into a different um, medium now, and I, and I feel good about it. Um, Fantastic. Well, yeah. that, you know, and, and the thing is that that's what's important is that if you feel good about what you're working on right now, <laughs> somebody's definitely going to appreciate it. And even the stuff that sometimes we don't feel so great about at the time. Mm. So he's like, I love that. And you're like, all right, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I wish you would have told me that like two years ago when I was actually in the process of making it, but I'll take it now for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so... So that's what you're working on in your artistic practice. What, uh, like, what else do you have going on as far as like sort of projects you're working on or anything like that? I mean, I know that we've been working together on the um, Artisan Fellowship Program for the last few months. That's sort of coming, um, you know, to a close pretty soon. But, uh, but you know, we had the Super Fine Art Fair recently that I know you came out to, and you've been working with um, with one of our fellows, Kirk Maynard. And so I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on the AF program? Like, have you enjoyed it, or has it have have, have you know have you experienced anything fun or new in this program? Because you know it's a pilot thing. We're trying to figure out what's going on there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've had a really good time being involved in the program, and I think um, Kirk and Kurt and I have both um, kind of gained good insight from each other. Um, oh, that's fantastic! And. I like that it's kind of just this flowing, like, open dialogue, um, you know, it's in, and it's pretty informal, at least in the way that we've been communicating, which is nice because you can just kind of throw thoughts out there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if I see something that I think 
would resonate with him, I'll just text it to him or, you know, if he has a question about something he's working on and he wants an opinion, he'll text me. So that's great. So so there's been a dialogue. Yeah, so I I think it's been really good. And what was nice, I thought he actually came to see me at my office. Um (laughs) right before the fair we talked about the work that he was gonna show there. And um, he was like, oh, we're going to be able to, like, stay in touch with everybody, like, after the program. I was like, yeah, well, it's, like, That's the idea. Point. I, yeah. I really hope so. I truly yeah. hope so. Oh, so I think, I think it's been good. Um, and, I mean, I hope that he's gotten something out of it. <laughs> oh, I, I, I know for a fact that he has, and he's been very appreciative of your insight. Um, and, you know, you know, these fellows... We obviously believe very much in all of the advisors, which you are one of those. But but you know the fellows, like we definitely see something in each one of them. That's each one of them has a unique quality, at least one unique quality that we really, you know, want to sort of foster, and 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 we really want to see them um, grow from this. So that's been the idea, and it's just great to hear that. Uh, you've had a good time with that and so like what else are you working on do you have any sort of projects in development or anything like that that you want to talk about um i guess one thing i've been working on um my university from back home has i guess an outpost here for alumni and they do various um activities and events for the people here and uh last year i found out about uh what they have it's called the global discovery program where they bring out students from different faculties to kind of be immersed in industry. Oh, cool. And unfortunately none of them are fine art students, but I thought afterwards, you know, that would be so helpful to, I thought if I had that opportunity right. when I was in school, I would have jumped on that. So just kind of by good timing, I guess too, um, I got back in contact with an old professor of mine and kind of brought it up to her and said, you know, do you think this is something that we could work on in creating a program for the students um, back in Melbourne? And, you know, now that I have a contact here who kind of runs things on this side, uh, we could all connect and kind of collaborate and see how we can get something going for them as well, you know. So it's still in pretty, like, early stages. We just had our first kind of initial chat all together um this week and then we have like a follow-up in a couple weeks where we're gonna i guess bring together our resources and our contacts and see uh you know how best we can kind of get something into action yeah i mean that that sounds a lot like the um at least the idea behind the artist in in uh, fellowship program it's just like you know we all have our own unique skills networks ideas all this kind of thing like why not bring them together, you know, see where they sort of overlap and where where we might be able to help each other out formally or informally. And I mean, you know, it's to me, it's sort of that like tribe mentality. We're all in it together. So why not share the resources and um, and thereby, you know, share the spoils of whatever we can sort of create out of that. So that's cool to hear that you're um, that you've also found sort of a whole other route to to use these same concepts and ideas with and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is very cool. Um, I mean, I know that you've been an art advisor um, here in New York, and I wonder, like, if you could tell us maybe a little bit about what, like, 
like you said, like art advisor is not like super talked about. You don't see ads for like the art advisor, like jobs all the time, that kind of thing. So like what, at least in your experience, does an art advisor do? What's like, what's, what is the point of an art advisor? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess to one clarification to make, which I think a lot of people, um, I, even I used to not really know the difference is what I would consider an art advisor versus an art consultant. Okay, so, great, great point to make. So you see often art consultant jobs, mostly yeah. at galleries where it's essentially a sales role. Um, and, you know, at that point though, you're bi- you have to be biased to the artist that your gallery represents. Mm-hmm. And I guess the difference for me is that I work for the client. So... Mm-hmm. I don't have to be biased to any one gallery, any one artist. Um, and when we're sourcing work, it, it, it just can be whatever is the best fit. Um, and so I think, you know, in that way, and people come to us with different projects all the time, it might be that they want to commission something or, you know, they maybe, oh, I want to start a contemporary photography collection or something mm-hmm. like that, you know. Or I have this space that needs to be addressed with artwork. We need it to feel, you know, like this or like that. Um, so it's it's a bit of a different function to the way that a consultant operates in a gallery. Even though the terms are sometimes used interchangeably, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's a bit different. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thank you for clarifying that because that is actually, you know, like you don't know until you know. You know, you may you may use the, the words interchangeably but they're definitely they, i think they definitely have you know different roles um that people should be aware of um and to clarify so you've done like corporate art advising have you done you and i assume probably like sort of private more like private client like that kind of thing and all yeah. that so so do you get so when you're doing corporate there's obviously like sort of a space in mind or at least a uh, 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 probably already established collection in mind that you may be sort of adding to or create or creating a vibe for as you sort of alluded to um but then do you also get folks just out of my own personal curiosity do you also get folks that just like they just want really good work they don't know what they want have you ever had that experience okay oh oh, really okay well tell me more about that you know tell me something i mean even with corporate clients on a large-scale project i think that like if they're not always super versed in i guess like the industry or even the terms sometimes you know they they think it's hard for them sometimes to verbalize exactly what they want so they may think oh i want this and if you show them options that are that and they think oh well no that's not actually what i want how do i say because you've gotten a little more technical with your terms and so they say one thing that generally yeah so sometimes it's a bit of a trial and error you know and we go through a process of like they initially will say what the intent is and then i will do a bunch of research and put together you know a lot of visual options for them to kind of give feedback on uh, and then i can kind of whittle it down from there um but yeah we we do have like a few private clients that we work for and it's like Oh, I, we had somebody recently, I, I want a colder, <laughs> find me a colder, you know, like stuff like oh, that. So, it. um, or, you know, less specific, <laughs> like, oh, uh, you know, I just, I have this wall in my house. This is the art that I've already collected. Um, you know, 
what can what yeah what can <laughs> supplement this so you know it, it changes a lot well that's fantastic and 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 what you're describing there is what you um spoke of earlier as like sourcing the art mm-hmm. right and so it's like can you t- so from my understanding that's like finding the artists that you think um their work would fit for all you know for any of these various projects so would you mind telling me like a little bit like how do you find or source these artists like where are you looking these days mm-hmm. um or where, really where are you finding the best art these days <laughs> the the million dollar question uh i don't know if i can say one specific place but um i think any time that i have downtime i'm always in some form of research um and then even in just like my personal time, you know, I, I, regardless, I like enjoy going to galleries or going to museums and just like, thankfully that informs my knowledge mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and my resources, um, when sourcing artwork, but I'm, you know, most of it, 99% of it's done on a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, Such are the times. yeah. And I think <laughs> that like, you know, it's just, even just from looking at things that are interesting to me and I kind of, you click through and you end up in these on these tangents you're like whoa how did i yeah how did i get here this is interesting and how did i get here i don't i don't want to know but i love it yeah so like i really at work i just have like an entire folder of just ideas like there's so many thousands of things that you just collected from wherever you were or wherever you happen to end up down the rabbit hole yeah and so yeah and and i mean it's it's i'm a bit anal so it's separated into categories and stuff so i can can find it it. yeah but like you know then (laughs) that way if somebody you know a client comes to us i think oh i i can just look in this folder or you know i i know where that is so um it's just a lot of it is just collecting the information and having it ready for when I need to pluck it out for the right person. Yeah. So that being said, um, do you have any recommendations for, you know, artists who may be looking to expand their, uh, you know, visibility and that kind of thing through art advisors? Um, Like, you know, is there a certain, is there anything that you can recommend that they should do to present themselves properly so that they might catch the eye of somebody like you? Mm-hmm. Um, I think having an online presence obviously is important. Like you need to have a very um, succinct and, you know, user-friendly website. Make sure it functions on phone because a lot of people are doing stuff on the train. <laughs> right, there you go. Uh, and, there's, the and you don't realize there's some websites happening. that like aren't optimized for it and you just click out. It's frustrating. So That's it's like true. you need to make sure... It's too easy for people to exit, so you need to make sure that people like can stay on and navigate and do what yeah, they need so to do. Yeah, so you want to keep them engaged. Keep yeah. Them, uh, don't whatever you do, do not frustrate them. <laughs> right. And I think having profiles on any of like you know the big sources like Artsy is a great one. You know, and it, it's worth putting in a bit of money to it. There's a few others that I think maybe aren't. You don't have to pay for like I think Foundwork is one, and there's a few others. Um, you can make like a free artist profile. Um, you know, I always check kind of sites like that. Um, and then also obviously like Instagram for me is a big tool, actually much less than Facebook. Um, not often that I'm like really going to Facebook artist pages (laughs) because usually I just go to Facebook to find on like updates on home or like (laughs) mum. Yes, 
that that's what Facebook is. It's it's making sure that mom's okay these days, or or allowing her to get a glimpse into your world at least on the page that you expose her to. But yeah, it's um, Instagram really seems to be the hot spot for. I mean, it really is a visual, um, you know, tool, so it, it makes sense for artists. Um, but you know, um, Robert Mars, you know, one of your fellow AIF program advisors. Um, on an earlier podcast, we spoke about how for many young artists, like that's all they've ever known is just selling is like what white gallery. Like that's for old people. Like, uh, I sell all my work through Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I guess I, it really depends what kind of career you're looking for as an artist. Like, do you want to just sell work and pay the bills that's one way to do it um or do you really want to you know build uh you know a career that's internationally recognized you know yeah like do you want to be in i don't know the venice biennale or something like that like or do you want to you know just put on your own show in a gallery that you rent out so you know it just depends on the person i think yeah, so what you're getting at is that um, even though there are many um, avenues these days for selling or creating a career, um, some may not fit in with like sort of the traditional model that is well-established and well-supported. Um, and so maybe a mix of both is a good thing. I mean, that's, from my experience, that's been a relatively good um you know, it's a happy medium because I, I personally I want to do it all. So it's like uh, get me in the galleries and get me on a podcast called, uh, you know, Wet Paint NYC <laughs> podcast. Do all that kind of thing. Um, we do happen to be on YouTube and all that other good stuff. But Instagram is where like the stuff. It's like where people actually sort of interact and stuff happens. And um, so I'm certainly not trying to fight it. I'm trying to go with the with the wave. But as but like uh, Robert Mars pointed out very um, poignantly, it's like that's an image of the artwork. You still got to get people in front of it as an artist to really experience the object it, it, itself. And I just don't want that to be lost on the general public that like what you see is just an interpretation. When you when you really experience these things in person. Hopefully, and usually, if it's a well-done piece of work, you're going to get a lot more out of it than just what that image provides for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree, actually. But in saying that, it's funny how many projects we do where people will buy things off a of JPEG without ever seeing it. But that probably has something to do with trusting your taste and your experience, totally. right? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. they're trusting us to vouch for the quality and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know the quality of the work but um i agree with that i think and then, you know and it's like there's some work that's just better it's just better for instagram it's more suited for that platform and so you know it's unfortunate in some catchy. ways yeah that like you know maybe there's great artists still that go um under the radar because it's just not as grammable you know. There you go. So <laughs> it doesn't pop on the gram, but um, if when you see it in person or whatever it may be, it ha- it's highly, you know, highly technical. You know, beautifully executed. Um, 
maybe may even make you cry, but you'll never know because you didn't love it on the gram. I mean, what, how, how, you know, what, what are we supposed to do about that? I don't know. I mean, I think it's just a good tool to use as engagement, even if maybe like your actual artwork is That's not exactly like as Robert Instagram, uh, you know, friendly, uh-huh. but if you're producing something that's grabbing some type of content that's pulling people in, um, even if they connect with you as an artist, you know, in a person and then see the work and connect with the work in person, you know? Absolutely. And I've said this before that, um, that, you know, you can, you can sell, you know, I've had people who've come to me and they've only seen it. They haven't seen it in person. So I've sold via Facebook, Instagram, and a lot of these online um, spots that you were talking about too that, um, and, but that's a big sort of jump in trust. Um, but it is, um, it's great to get people in front of the work and allow them to actually get that sort of textural thing and all of that. And as you were saying, like some of the best stuff isn't necessarily going to pop on Instagram because, and it may even be a matter of like, it's not pop- properly photographed to where it, w- where, where it would pop better. So... You know, these artists that are really putting a lot of time into their work may not be putting as much time into photographing the work Mm -hmm. or setting up this beautiful, you know, scene that looks fabulous on Instagram. And so they fly under the radar. And so for the general public who are sort of outside the art world, quote unquote, and who don't usually know about that, look for, you know, look for local artists in your scene. Look for sort of the underdog. Um the one who doesn't necessarily have, you know, a million followers or whatever it is, and just see if maybe you just enjoy their work. You know, it's okay to actually just connect with the piece without it being a famous name or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to put that out there that it's, uh, it's use, you know, the general public should feel free to use these tools to connect with, um, with great artists because the only reason they're spending the time to put that stuff out there to take the photos and upload them and all that stuff is to connect with folks like you so go for it (laughs) yeah i think uh i mean i like it because it, it feels it feels very direct i connect with a lot of artists that i've used in projects just through a quick dm you know and it starts that way as opposed to an email and I might have to wait three days for them yep. to write back. Um, you know, and it feels very formal. I kind of, I like it for that reason. Um, and I also think that, you know, for better or worse too now, um, most people are kind of looking for that moment to put on. And But I think that, you know, in saying that more and more people now that aren't necessarily, you know, uh, from an arts background or versed in it are much more comfortable now walking into galleries and or going to an artist studio. I think that it's become much more commercial that activity yeah. um, than it used to be. It used to be, I feel a bit more um, maybe elitist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point to make is that um, even though there maybe is more sort of selection and the pool has widened greatly as far as like the artists are concerned, um, it's fantastic that like a lot of barriers have been broken down as well um, to where you can you really can expose your art to 
hundreds of millions of people on a daily basis, which was not possible even just like, you know, a couple decades ago for sure. And, the th- you know, and that this is speaking from experience because, yes, I'm that old and I have been there. I've seen the whole thing from um, before it was it like even possible to really even get like credit cards like and take them at it like an art fair or whatever you had to like yeah, literally yeah, yeah. slide a thing over i'm not expecting you to know this but i'm just telling the young folks out there you had to literally like have a piece of carbon paper and slide this over at art fairs for a piece of artwork that you're sending out to a stranger in the out into the unknown world um and you're just hoping that this piece of carbon paper that you copied their credit card onto actually translates to the money that you that they pay for it so yes we've come a long way folks everybody should feel free to take advantage of it and use it to the best of their ability because we are blessed <laughs> i don't know if you had anything to add to that but i just swung the microphone no i mean the art collecting these days is is a lot easier than it used to be i mean they have i think like i forget the name it's like um they basically have like a, art money is like a thing oh yeah oh, oh really tell me more about this they, they like everybody like they they have their little budget they put away budgets uh, for money again is this what you're well, telling no, me so or am actually, i just overly no, excited it's, actually, it's a company and they partnered um, oh. they partnered with uh some of the big affairs to basically uh. accommodate a purchase and you can pay it off oh yeah absolutely ah, okay i know exactly what you're talking about there there are a few of those out there right now um i've been pitched by more than one yeah and so what it is is it's um it's it's buying in installments and the thing is i've done this for many years and if you ask an artist and you seem relatively you know trustworthy there's a very good likelihood that you can go to an artist studio or go, go to a, directly to an artist and say, hey, um, would you mind if I paid this off in installments? I agree with that, and I, I have done it. <laughs> but I would recommend that if you do do that, make sure you have some type of paperwork to just document that both parties are in agreement on the terms and how much and when X amounts are paid <laughs> I well that's that's an absolute necessity and I would add to that that you don't sell the work until it's paid off mm-hmm. you don't send it so um, you know I'm not I'm not advocating sending a work off before it's paid for but I've actually I've, it's happened for me um, absolutely and yeah. me too and that's why I'm not advocating it <laughs> no I mean like I've been in that I've, relationship I've good, with yeah. an artist where I purchased a work and she was happy for me to take it before I paid, but we had a contract Mm -hmm. that described all the details of the exchange. And that, yeah, and that's a description of an artist, you know, putting themselves out there and trusting in you and doing that, which is a beautiful thing. And I would love for the world to work that way. And I have done those deals, but I've also been burned by those deals. So I'm just saying, if you want to play it safe, you know, Andy Warhol. Famous story, the soup cans. $1,000 paid off on a monthly installments of $100. Um, you know, so he, he just wanted them. It, it, was, it was actually the, the installment plan of $100 a month for 10 months. And 
the promise that they would end up in a major collection at some point. Now, the promise did not include the details of how that would be done, but but Andy trusted in this art dealer, and um, they were sold to the MoMA for like, I don't know, $46 million or something like that. So um, I think everybody ended up happy, both the collector who made quite a quite a uh, a windfall from that sale and andy i mean he apparently was thrilled with that and i mean i know the first time i saw the soup cans was uh my first yeah i think my first trip to new york city at at moma so that's not a terrible place to end up you know so so there are deals to be made you know, great deals to be had for collectors, but uh, you know, we just just make sure that everybody has covered all their bases so that everybody is happy in the end. I think that that's a very great point for you to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you have anything else that you want to talk about? Um, I know that we have the big uh, sort of finale show um, at the Living Gallery Outpost at the end of June. Um, if folks want to find out more about that, they can check out WebPaint NYC's uh, event page. We have all the details there. But you know, all of our artists are going to be there. There'll be some live painting, some uh, some live music, all that good stuff. So, what about anything else you want to talk about? Or if nothing else, where can people find you when they want to get in touch with you for art, art advisement? You know, all of your insight. Where Where is the best place for them to get a hold of you? Uh, probably Instagram, actually. No, so what's your Instagram? Put uh, it out there. It's at for art's sake with underscores between each word. Oh. For art's sake. Okay, so you know what? I, I, I forgot to ask you about something. Do you want to talk about the collective that you started or anything? I mean, I know that you've been doing a lot of things. So there's uh, like all these things that I could ask you about. Yeah. Is that something that you want to... Yeah, I, we can. I mean, the thing is, it's it's in a stage of flux right now because, okay. um, you know, whenever you're working with multiple people and I guess multiple creatives specifically, things can... Uh, things happen. Yeah, things happen. Things happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, right. Just kidding. You know what? When you're working with anybody, things happen. But when you're working with creatives, a lot of things happen. So... Uh, you know, which, you know what? And that brings it full circle because that's exactly why you want an art advisor mm-hmm. if you are looking to establish any kind of a collection. Because, you know, speaking from a personal, you know, viewpoint, artists can be freaking crazy. So you got to be careful what you get into. You know, you were talking about going down rabbit holes before, but when you get engaged, with a highly committed artist, um, it may get really crazy. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, that this is where an art advisor comes in. You have a bit of a buffer. You have somebody who will is willing and hopefully happy to go through all of that craziness to get to to get that object, that beautiful, you know, spiritual object into your into your life without all of the pain that may be involved. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you have anything to say about that, but uh, find her on Instagram if you really want to get the real deal for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree with you there. Um, but yeah, I think now it's actually kind of turning into a new 
venture, I guess. We're still using the same name. Uh, we were Jude Collective. Now it's Jude Creative. And it's just, well, I, I decided to make just like an offshoot to do, uh, you know, my own art advising in that way. And, you know, obviously spoken with the other members and uh, I'm sure at points if I need their help, they'd be willing um, but yeah, we're kind of digressed at the moment. Uh, we had a good first year. We had two exhibitions um, and made a lot of good connections, which I mean is actually how I even ended up in the fellowship program in the first place. So, yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the, that's actually the true nature of art for sure, but also, you know, everything in life things you know sprout up one way and they may develop into something else over the long term and that's the beauty of it you know like from what i'm hearing you're not letting this thing die you it had it it had its life and and you are creating a new environment and a new sort of um you know spring of vitality for this thing and that's absolutely i mean you know i've spoken before about wet paint nyc i had one concept when it was initially started over the years, it has absolutely grown into an entirely different thing, including in your, you know, getting back to exactly what you just said, it is what led me to the Artisan Fellowship Program. So we're, it's all full circle. And as big as New York is, it's crazy small when you get down to the folks that are really trying to do something and trying to like make something for the world and share it and really get it out there. And somehow we all eventually end up bumping into each other and that's what i love about it yeah yeah i agree um and i think new york's a great place anyway to uh be inspired by people that are working towards uh you know their own dreams or goals there's just so much creativity in the city so yeah, you get a sense of the hustle right mm -hmm. like literally well hell if you use the subway you know how crazy it is because <laughs> at certain points in the day all those people that are just trying to make it yeah <laughs> are crammed like sardines mm -hmm. into metal cars that are traveling at 35 plus miles an hour or whatever it is uh hurtling through these concrete tunnels yeah, that's that's pretty legit. That's a legit hustle. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, if nothing else, um, people should be able to meet you in person. I think at our show at the Living Gallery Outpost at the end of June. Like I said, check out our website to to figure it out. I think I might be late. Okay. Well, <laughs> in that case, um, you may have to search her out independently if you want to if you want to get to, to meet her in person and and get a taste of her um, actual skills as far as providing art and sourcing this is a very important word folks sourcing artists that are really doing something and really putting out some quality work these days um, find her she told you where to find her so do it <laughs> well thanks again Jess for coming out and sharing with us and I look forward to hearing more from you soon. Thanks, Paul. It was really fun. And, of course, a special thanks to all of our listeners. You can find Jess at 4 underscore arts underscore sake. And you can keep up with uh, what we're doing here with the podcast and on YouTube and in the gallery spaces and everything else all at wetpaintnyc.com. <laughs>